Welcome to episode 18-007, Forged by Fire. My name is Ryan Stevens. I'm here with my partner in crime, Rob Heffley. Today we're going to talk about the blame game. Can you believe this is our seventh episode? Dude, we're turning and burning. That's crazy. It's good to see you, buddy. You too, man. I always, always enjoy hanging out with you when I'm not, you know, like doing Murph or, you know, suffering really bad. You know, those times bond us, but, you know, times where we can have fun, like dude, a birthday party. Dude, I enjoy it, man. I, I look forward to coming here. You know, when I leave, I feel refreshed. Dude, it's good, man. You're you're solid, man. I appreciate your time. And, I, dude, I love doing this podcast. And I think that's one thing definitely some of the listeners, our friends, get to kind of a, a little bit more hang out with us in a way, in a different kind of way. And uh, some of you guys I know, man, are looking for your band of brothers too. Like we've talked about that a few weeks back. And, uh, man, just keep looking for – that's one thing, man. I'm definitely having Ryan. Is, he's one of my band of brothers that we suffer together and uh, we talk our stuff out. And sometimes, you know, we uh, don't always agree on everything or get along with everything. But, you know, that's what, you know, having friendships for. And it's really more kind of like you said – in that last episode about martial arts, I was thinking about that. You said, you know, family. Find a place where you feel like there's family. Where, and I feel like that, man. I feel like we're family. And uh, for sure, man. I believe you can. I I think you can approach me with anything and just be like, and I, I could be here for you. And sometimes it's not about solving your problems. That's what's cool about being a dude. Is you just walk in and you're just, hey, man, this is what's going on. I'm like, cool. Do you need anything? No, I don't. Okay, cool. Let's move on. You know? Exactly. You can get it off your shoulders, which is really good. Man, tell me your grid coordinates, kind of where you at today. Dude, I'm feeling good. Um, Turning and burning with a lot of stuff. Just got done doing a a tactical shoot at the range with some VIPs, some federal guys. We did, um, or we take a bag, we put it on the ground, and we do some ground and pound, and then you for about 30 seconds to really get your heart rate up, and then you run, I don't know, about 20 yards, and then you do some Muay Thai strikes. I mean, so he calls out combos, boxing, kicking, elbows, and then he says clear. You clear him out of the way, make sure he's completely out of the way and safe, and then you shoot what's called a mini or half El Presidente. So you do two rounds on a target to the left, two rounds center, two rounds right. So I did that this morning, and I'm feeling alive, buddy. That's awesome. Feeling good, man. I mean, it's really cool to live the life, you know, sit back and really appreciate the small things now because I think you're going to realize that they're big things later. So I'm very fortunate, man. I mean, I think a lot of those, I mean, I think some people right now are probably sitting in their cubicle. If I could only have a bag to go beat up on and shoot, you know, like has like that part of living your life. Hey, I go find a range, go, you know, find you a bag, find you a dojo to train in, find, you know, something. So I think, you know, some of us, we have jobs where we can't get to go do that and say, hey, I get paid to do this. But, you know, there's also recreation where you can find stuff like that. A hundred percent. And you know what's crazy, Rob? Sometimes I, I don't want to get it twisted. We talked about martial arts. I mean, you know me. I'm not a tough guy by any means, man. I'm just this humble dude on a path trying to learn as much as I can. And I think sometimes it gets twisted that we talk about fighting or guns and stuff. If your place to get after it is painting, go do it. But don't make any freaking excuses, right? If you want to play the freaking saxophone, play it. Don't get crazy and start making excuses. You know, what? I? it's not about... It's whatever is your passion, go do it and do it 100%. Almost like if you were to drive a car, pedal to the metal, right? You know, just get after it. I totally agree. I think that is a huge thing. So I think sometimes people probably look at me and Ryan and say, alpha males, you know, shoot, do this, do that. And that's where 
man, whatever you do in life, just do it. You know, do it. You know, sit there and experiment. You know, sometimes you might like to paint. You might like to play the saxophone. You might like jujitsu. You might like to hunt. You might not like any of that stuff. But you know what happens is you'll never know unless you try it. That's right. I'm not even a hunter. You know, I'm not a big hunter. You know, it's crazy. If people, oh, Ryan, you know how to shoot guns. You you probably hunt. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I know. If if I could, if I could buy buffalo in a truck already. I would do it, you know, it's, I'm not a big hunter. And so everyone has their passions. And I think that that's, what's really cool about being authentic, right? Be who you are and people will love you for who you are. You know, don't be something you're not. Yeah. My wife's trying to get me to do ballroom classes right now. And I'm like negative ghost rider. And uh, she's like, come on, you know, like, yeah. but some of those things I'm gonna have to make happen sometime. I actually called this one lady about the classes so, step out of your comfort zone. Yeah, but I was like, can we do like the sauce or something, you know, really sexy, you know? But I was like, I'm going to step on her feet and she'd probably hate me, but... Dude, you never know. You might be a ballroom gangster. Yeah. Just straight. Like, yeah. you, you, I might see you on Dance with the Stars. <laughs> Heffley on Dances with the Stars. That's scary. Oh, thought. dude. Uh, what about trying out for Survivor? That's coming up tomorrow, I think. Am I supposed to put that out there? Was that on Intel? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. My wife said it's okay. I think she's a little scared, but, you know, if, okay. I, think, I think the scary part is if I actually made it on the show, how I'd react. Dude, I think you'd be great at it. Because she's like, outwit, outlast, outplay. I mean, there's no rules. So I could walk around naked, and I could pee in people's food. And I Dude, could, you pee <laughs> in somebody's food, you're absolutely, you're going to, people would be, ab, but how does that work? Do they vote you off? Oh, I mean, like, what happens is, like, you have to, I don't know. You make people's, you either make people really like you or make people really hate you. And they, they take you for both, re- both reasons all the way to the end. Because I think I'm going to take this person in because nobody likes him or nobody like, you know, they really like him or they're on the, on the bottom. There's all these strategies to it, but Dude, man, I'd love to see you on survivor, man. I've been watching the show since like Not the two, naked part, but the, on the survivor. 2001, two, 2001. I probably, I mean, that's the part too. I'm, I'm a nice guy too, but you know, there's also that you haven't had no food for a couple of days and there's another side of me that probably come out that I think my wife's, she's seen that side. And Dude, I think you'd be good on Survivor. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. I'm supposed to go tomorrow for tryouts. We'll see how that goes. It's kind of crazy, man. Man, we're going to get right into this though. Um, we talk to, we talk a lot about this, you know, to each other and to other people. And, uh, and even uh, recently, you know, I had a couple of people talked about, you know, the blame game and taking ownership of your life, taking ownership of everything. And uh, for a big part of my life, man, I'll be honest with you, I would blame everybody but myself for, man, there's no money in my bank account. It's not my fault, you know. Yeah, it's taxes. You know, I got to pay taxes. It's my boss. My boss doesn't think I'm good enough. He won't give me a promotion, right? Yeah, and it was like, you know, that victim mentality so many times. You know, I was like, hey, you know, I blame my wife for pretty much everything I did wrong. You know, or I blame you. It was just like that. That was a a big part of my life. And I still, you know, sometimes I kind of revert back to that. And I think this is your choice, your reaction. You know, you can change. Your reaction is your responsibility. You can change this, you know, do something different about it. Or you can sit there and just keep complaining and still stay the same. And uh, so, I mean, I'm still learning about this. But I think so many times that I want to, you know, not take... uh, when I, when that comes up and what happens now, when I see somebody else do it, I even talked about this in the last podcast a little bit, this guy there not, I like just tore into him because he was making excuses, it, but it was like, I'm like, dude, just take ownership of where you're at. Because what happens, Rob, I think some people aren't ready to, well, two things. I think some people aren't ready to accept the message. And also I think some people are comfortable with the blame game. 
that that's their comfort blanket is the blame game. If you took that away, they would have nothing to blame about. I've met people like that. Well, it's like the victim mentality. A lot of times too, what I've learned is people have been modeled this their whole life. They've been modeled like, hey, this is how you live life. There's everybody else's fault. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit there. I ever take responsibility. And they go on. It's their excuses. And you sit there. And, and it's just one of those things. It's really a, a really a bad cycle. And I've seen it in marriages. It's called triangulation where you have, you know, there's the victim, you know, then the savior, you know, then the one sitting there t- going against them. I was like, hey. You know, this is not the way. You can't save them. You know, the victim always being the saving. It's not always your fault. And what happens is a lot of times in relationships, even friendships, you have somebody enables them to be that person because they never tell them the truth. They're like, oh, it's okay. You know. Yeah, you see that with drug addicts, right? Oh, man. Yeah, codependency is so bad. And, uh, you know, people you love. But, uh, you know, I sit there and I think about all the things in my life, if I would have learned this principle of taking ownership at a younger age. Oh man, dude, I think you're a hundred percent right. If there's one podcast that should seep in, it's this one. I think this is a game changer, this podcast, this conversation, because I see people that bury themselves with this. Oh yeah. I mean, what happens physically, emotionally, mentally, I mean, people, I mean, I mean, I struggle with weight for my years. I can blame my wife for not cooking healthy for me. I can blame her for not getting me up and going to work it out with me. Yep. I can blame, you know, oh, it's American food. It's society. I can blame, you know, sit there. The gym's not open. I how, about, how about my mom blaming on, like, disease? She would say, well, Ryan, I can't do that because I have a back issue. Ryan, I can't do this because I I have, like, it's called fibromyalgia never been diagnosed with it but that's what she has so mentally she just blames everything on that but yet there's people that are quadriplegic quadriplegics that are competing in the special olympics or the olympics Do yeah. you see what i'm saying so like oh, yeah. so so what happens is you can talk yourself into a vortex of failure you can talk yourself into it where it just sucks you in and you just find yourself falling down and down and down and down and you never, you, you never start to make progress. And so, you know, one of those things, uh, there's even this song, and I kind of like the song, and I don't like the message. You know, it's uh, Brothers Osborne, Not My Fault. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Like, you know, it's kind of, a, I mean, country fans, whatever, but then there's like, it's not my fault. I mean, I was listening to the song, I was like, I probably don't even let my kids listen to this. Because that whole part, you know, I'm like, hey, take ownership. It's like, did you yep. do this? You know, did you do this? Say yes. Because here's what I've noticed. When I say when I, when I take ownership of something, say, yes, this is my fault. I'm the person that did this. I'm the one that chose this or whatever, whatever it is. Forgiveness comes a lot quicker and a lot easier yep. than, than not saying it, you know? Yep. It's been yeah. beneficial to me at work because I work for the government, you know, walking in. Dude, I'm human. I'm going to make a mistake, man. Adam and Eve have been making a mistake since the beginning. So I'm human. When I make a mistake, instead of blame it on others, I say, uh, we call it falling on the sword. I just walk in and say, yep. Dude, I'm an idiot. I jacked that up, and I'm going to try to be better. And, dude, you will find that there's so much, like you said, forgiveness on the front end. They're just like, oh, okay, well, I thought you were going to come in here and try to debate it. No, I, I messed up. It's my fault. They're like, okay, well, uh, try not to do it again. You know, it's literally that simple. And that's, you know, th- that part, man, it's, it's always, I think, the first thing, I think, you know, and some of you guys have read Jocko's Extreme Ownership. If you haven't, you need to read it. It's a great book. You know, I tell several people to read it. I mean, it changed my view of several things. But, you know, one of the big points he makes is you know, admit and own mistakes and develop a plan to overcome them and blame no one else. 
And I think one of the hardest things, man, is admitting where we're at, admitting I did wrong, admitting, you know, where, you know, whatever it is, because it's like that part immediately. But I think there's a part too, after you do it, there's like, ah, oh, you know, there's a breath of fresh air. Hey, I'm done. You know, I yep. admitted this is where I'm at. And even like, you know, addicts, we talk about that in counseling, different ones that finally admit, Hey, I'm going to own this. This is my, my decision. And, uh, there's a, that's a huge step owning it right there, you know, then it's like, Hey, the next thing I think is the action, you know, the plan, how to overcome this? Because what happens is the quicker you admit it, the quicker you can start taking action and going and changing your direction. Yeah. That dude, that's, what's really cool. Right. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think if it's like walking 10 miles down a, a dirt road, Rob, I work 10 miles down a dirt road. And then the day that I want to change, all I got to do is turn around, and take one step. I could be 10 miles down the wrong road, and that could be drugs, pornography. It could be cheating on my wife. It could be, you know, a gambling addiction. It could be anything. But as soon as I stop, turn around, and take one step, that's one step towards progress. And I have to admit I'm going down the wrong road. Dude, 100% when it comes to progress. But I think a lot of that's pride, though, too, though, because yep. as men, yep. we, we don't we don't want to say, oh, yes, I'm going down the wrong road. I'm making a bad decision. I have this pride. It's like, I'm good. I'm, 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 I got this figured out. I can handle this. Dude, based on, we've done seven podcasts. I think that's probably the root of all evil is ego and pride. Oh, yeah. That's what, you know, I told you I deal with three things, entitlement, pride, and lust, you know. And I'm doing two out of three most days pretty well you know sometimes some days I fail all three of them you know out the window and you know it's lust after my wife you know and pride you know look at my beautiful kids and entitlement you know like I said last podcast you know can I what about that first class ticket there uh, you, you know what's really cool about Rob I think you ace this I think out of all my friends and the people that I kind of I plug into guys that kind of mentor me I think you do the best at this I think you're the best at say yo Ryan I just jacked up or hey Ryan that was my failure or you because you're the first one to come to me that's one of the highest level of humbleness like when i'm teaching tactical operations is when a guy comes in and shoots somebody that's unarmed and they're like dude i just jacked that up they will admit their failures before i can catch them you know the reason why i'm like that though mm. i've effed up so much in my life that i realized the sooner that i say this is not the right way the easier my life is, the better it is. It's, did, it's, it's a term for, it's a chance for me to learn. Did you think it came with humility, uh, not humility, did it come with, uh, did it come with maturity? Um, I think some of it, but you know, man, I've failed so many times. That's what I look back and it's always failing forward. You know, those things. That, and I think a lot of times people don't see the full story and, and some people, that's what's weird. You know, different times of your life, you have a different label. Like he's a POS, you know, he's this guy, uh, he's, you know, yep. he's a hard worker, you know, yep. he's oil field, he's an army, you know, Marine, uh, you know, those things. And they don't know the full body of work. They don't know, you know, struggles. They don't know, you know, the times that I did do good stuff and the times that I did fall on my face, you know, just like waller in it for a while. But I was like, life goes on. But I've realized, man, when I get up and say, that's not the right way to do this or not the right way to handle this, that I don't want to be that person man, my life is better because, and one thing, it's, it's almost biblical though. I don't, man, I love King David in the Bible. Dude was a freaking warrior. I mean, just, you know, if you yeah, really study, I mean, you study what he did and uh, man, uh, dude, he, but he, man, he had adultery. He committed adultery. He, he, he murdered the chick's husband, you know, but he knew how to get back in the presence of God. Cause there's a, there's a, 
the one thing he said, you know, create me a clean heart, God, forgive me, wash me white. And that's what I realized, man, in his life is like, no matter how far he strayed off, he knew to say, man, I'm not handling this the right way. And you know what? God loved him for that. Oh, yeah. And that's what the part yeah. two is like people, I feel like people will give you grace and mercy when you quit believing your own lies and start to ask forgiveness. You know, and then some mm. people won't. I mean, the people that don't love you, you're not going to love you no matter what you do. <laughs> yeah, they're going to judge you. It doesn't matter what, what you do. I think you're right. And that's really good is to be able, they say in the Bible too, it says, uh, if you confess in front of your brothers, you'll be healed. If you confess in front of the Father, you'll be forgiven. And so I think that's part of the turnaround process. That's part of progress is to come to somebody that you can trust and be authentic with and say, dude, I'm going to own this. This is mine. You know, I made this mistake, you know, in my, with my wife, man, this is the first one, you know, before I, when we first got married, I just wanted to argue to be right. I just, I, we, I look at it after the fact, I'm like, I'm an idiot. Why am I arguing over this now? Dude, I'm getting more mature being around men like you learning, learning this blame game and how to get away from it is that now me and my wife have an argument. I'm just like, I'll stop the conversation and be like, I'm an idiot. It's my fault. I shouldn't have said that. Probably hurt your feelings. I apologize. Do you accept my apology? I'm going to work on that. And, dude, you should see her face glow, just light up afterwards. Not because she's right, because I took ownership. I mean, I mean, that's a, I think it's such a huge deal with, I mean, marriage. It's, I mean, with my wife, when I take ownership of what I've done, it is 10 times better. But, you know, when I fight it and, like, don't want to say, I was like, it's your fault, you know, or it's because of this, you know, I bring this excuse up. You know, that's the reason I'm like this, you know. And I can say, well, my dad was like that, you know. And one of my big ones, man, one of my big excuses, this is what I used to do. I would find somebody that was 10 times worse, you know. I was, well, at least I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm hey, man, I, you know, I could be beating you. I could be, you know, throwing you out the car. Man, I think I've used that with my wife. Exactly. You know, or, you know, somebody at we know. At least I'm not cheating on you. Yeah. At least I'm not abusive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll find, it's like, you know, it's like the sticker shock. I'm going to find the sticker shock, the biggest thing I can find and throw it out there. And that's, it's not, it's not the way to communicate. And it's just, you know, I've done it and I still do it sometimes. And this is that, that part right there. I think it's such, Man, just ha learning the small thing, man. I mean, in work, in work, if you have, you work with those people that never want to say, this is my fault. Dude, I see it all the time with promotions, right? Promotions come around, guy doesn't get selected. And what do I say? Well, the boss doesn't like me. You know, I can't believe it. Well, this is because you're playing favorites. And I, I want to look at them. I'm like, no, it's because you're an idiot. You don't have all the resources they need to make value in this organization. That's that's why that you didn't get selected. Everything but himself, you know. And that's you know what's really funny. Do you think it's an uh, do you think it's an innate like emotion or pre-programmed in us? Because you know a kid a kid will go steal an Oreo and they'll eat the Oreo. They'll have Oreo all over their mouth, and you'll say, uh, "Did you eat the Oreo?" And the kid will look at you and shake their head like, "No, no, I didn't eat the Oreo." Like what? I mean, what? Why did? You think it's in us pre-programmed? Man, I think, you know, the part... Or it's I mean, modeled. I mean, I think a model is a huge part of it. And I always, I mean, you can go back. There's a conversations about, you know, good and bad, you know, Adam and Eve and, you know, good. I mean, there's like that sin nature. And I think there's a sinful nature in all of us. And there's arguments there. But I think the modeled part, and that's where, man, I try now with my son, because he's, he's five, when I mess up, I try to go and say, buddy, I'm sorry. That's not the way I handle stuff. 
that's not the way to talk. You know, whatever it is, I, mm, I'm saying, you know, really and, I, and I apologize because um, I love my dad, but my dad, I don't think he's ever said I'm sorry for anything, you know, and just, you know, that part that, you know, model that you have, there's consequences for, you know, but there's also, there's grace when you say, I'm sorry, you know, you know, I'll say, and a lot of times I mean, I'll ask him, I'm like, do you forgive me, Judson? Dude, that's so good. And he does, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, it's funny. Sometimes he doesn't want to at first or whatever, you know, but he'll come, he's like, I forgive you, daddy. You know man, Those words are powerful. But now you're modeling, you're modeling, taking ownership, extreme ownership for, for your son. Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not always easy. It's not always going to be easy. I don't no, think. I don't think it's easy at all. And that's part of the fire. It's part about going through the forging process. Remember we talked about that is that a knife it's just a regular piece of steel, but once you heat it up, once you enter the fire, the uncomfortable, you pull it out, you can mold it, right? I think this is the same thing. That's why I think we're sticking to the values of the podcast. This is not easy to look at somebody and say, this is my fault, especially if you're in a leadership position, Rob. I think leadership is one of the things that I learned early and not to my own liking, but people tell me they're like, Ryan, you need to teach on leadership or Ryan, you model leadership. I think this is one of the ones from leadership is to be able to step up and say, Hey man, this is my fault because you want to blame your employees, right? You want to blame the people that work under you, but ultimately who's responsible for all that? The boss. Oh yeah. And that's what, you know, it's like, there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. That's right. And it's like, even with kids, you know, I don't think there's bad kids. I think there's bad parents. I mean, it all goes and, I, and it goes back to those things that I think me and you really didn't have the best model with this, you know, growing up. Heck no. It was like, you know, those things that, Hey, that I'm going to blame somebody else for the reason the things are the way they are. And, and those things that you, that you have to learn how to really, and I'm still doing this, man. I'm 38 years old, almost 39. I'm reshaping my values and redoing them. You know, like, you know, like one value integrity, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. You know, take ownership, take ownership of that. And that's not easy sometimes. And uh, even, you know, the little things, you know, how am I going to take ownership, you know, so I don't want to take on you. Sometimes you don't want to. You're like, I just want to pass the buck on it at this Joe Blow over here. Well, same with like sugar. Remember when you came and you asked me about sugar? You told me, you said, hey, dude, you got to do this. This is the challenge. I wanted to blame this. You don't. I wanted to blame me going, on, well, I, you know, I have an energy drink in the morning. I need that. Or the D word. I deserve this. I work so hard. I deserve this. You know, and I think um, taking ownership and saying, hey, take control of this, you're in control. And I think what happens, you get a lot more power back in your life, right? When you start taking ownership and you start putting things back in your own domain. I mean, that that is exactly right. Because when you own it, you know, you're saying this is the reason why I'm going to do something differently. I'm going to change, you know, if I don't like it. And uh, it can it changes the paradigm. But here's a, here's a question for you. You know, when did you first start taking ownership? You feel like when did you, that paradigm start to shift in your life where you're changing? I think mm, that's a really good question. I didn't start taking ownership. Okay. Full ownership. Probably after I read Jocko's book, I always did kind of take ownership for things. I was quick in my family with my wife and kids to say sorry. Um, you know, my wife, she'll even tell you she's kind of hard to tell, you know, to say sorry. But for me, I would always say sorry. So I took ownership. But after I read Jocko's book in leadership, it, it clicked and made sense. I challenge our um, listeners to read that book. 
or, you know, listen to some of the stuff from Jocko because once I listened to it, it just made so much more sense. So I've always kind of done it. Um, you know, I didn't really, another one is Jim Rohn. Remember we talked about him, R-O-H-N. He talks about taking ownership as well. If you want change, he says, if you want change, you have to change. You know? Oh, yeah. I think it's huge. I'll look at uh, one of the things I do this pretty often. And I don't do it on the scale as much, but I would get on the scale like daily to see where I was at. You know? And I was like, these are my numbers. You know, there's no, nobody's putting food in my mouth. Nobody's making me, you know. It's you. It's me, yeah. And I was like, do I want to change this? You know, if I don't, I think that self-evaluation in a way is like, I've got to look and see where I'm at. Do I want this to be different? Mm. And I own that position, you know, if not, because people, I think one of the biggest ways we look at this, people, man, in prison. Everybody's innocent in prison. Like everybody, you know, like. There's yeah. no ownership. Yeah, there's no ownership. You, you know, it's almost like the it's like uh, the scale on one side is extreme ownership. The other one is extreme excuses. Everything's an excuse. You know, like right now with my son, um, he's really going through this phase where everything's an excuse. Like he'll push his sister and I'll say, Logan, what happened, dude? Why? Well, she pushed me first. You know, and I'm like, no, we're not talking about that. Or he'll say, you know, uh, why didn't you clean up your room? Well, Brooklyn didn't clean up her room. Like immediately he's building this excuse and, you know, I'm kind of struggling that with that as a dad is trying to get him to understand the extreme ownership pieces. Like, bro, it doesn't matter what your sister did because soon you're going to say, well, you know, like a friend, well, my friend's cheating. So then I'm going to cheat or, uh, well, he's smoking weed. So then I'm going to smoke weed. You know what I mean? Like it's, you start to relate what other, no, it's about your own path. It's about your own decisions, you know, instead of making excuses. I think, you know, we're always going to, that's the thing about too, the band of brothers and the people you put yourself around. And it's like, you have real friends that call you out on that stuff. Because sometimes, um, even I was looking, reading their days, reading this book called Culture Code, talking about nudging. And me and Jess have kind of started doing this. I stole it from my friends. Uh, Drew, my buddy Drew had this, is like his family. I was like, Hefleys do hard things. And I was like, sometimes you don't want to, but that ownership's like, Hefleys do hard things. Boom. I like that. It's kind of, it's a cool staple. You know what I mean? And it's a nudge. It's just like, you yep. know, you know, you're going to own this, you know, where you're at. And, you know, just, uh, it's kind of help kind of push that little nudge sometimes. And I think trying to create that culture in our family where we're, it's different, you know, not this, not the same, not going to be that, you know, I'm not going to not take ownership because I, you know, discipline my kids now and make them, let, teach them this lesson. I don't want to see them in Tucker Max, you know, in 20 years. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I do it. So how did you start to do it? How did you stop making excuses and start taking charge of the true Hefley? How did you do it? Man, I'm going to tell a story. And this Sing is it. <laughs> this is probably, um, I mean, this is, is going to be real. Um, man, this has been probably five, six years ago. Um, me and Jessica um, just, uh, we're doing pretty good. Had a baby. And, uh, I made some decisions that were not good. Okay. And it's about the best way to put it. She kicked me out of the house. Dang. One of the hardest things. Was it a wake up? Oh, man. It was, uh, just to be honest with you, I'm getting emotional right now. Yeah. But it was like one of those things that I had to leave and I was actually going out of town for like two weeks to work. And uh, 
I got to see my son, who's a little baby at the time, just a little bit more, but I lost that privilege. And it was like, this pain, you know, can change me and I can take ownership and say, yes, these are the decisions you made, the stupid decisions you made, or, you know, sit there and blame somebody else for it. You could blame Jessica. Yeah. Or, or you bl- know, blame your situation. Yeah. So, yeah. All those things. And I was like, hey, wow. how, how do I handle this? And so that was definitely one of the I think turning points in in our marriage and our life, you know, man, it did not feel good. It did not, you know, and I remember that and I remember that pain and uh, it's one of those things that, hey, I don't want to feel that way again. I don't want to, you know, ever feel that way again. It's almost like when somebody, it's almost like when somebody catches cancer, right? And then all of a sudden they just change their diet. You know, they make all these excuses, Ryan, I can't. Ryan, I don't know how to, Ryan, I don't have enough time to go to the gym. Ryan, I don't, I can't. Um, Ryan, I, I grew up middle class, so I can't. Or Ryan, I pay too much taxes. Ryan, like I hear all these excuses, but something significant happens in their life. And all of a sudden, instead of turning around on that path 10 miles down, turn around and become in progress, you're forced around. It's almost like somebody spins you around. And I mean, I always joke, it's like people change because of pain in Jesus. You know, they have those two things. You know, you have that immediate, you know, things got to hurt so bad that you want to change. But I, I think, you know, those parts of there was like, hey, instead of enabling or doing whatever, that you know, that change is like, hey, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to be this person because I don't want to be this person. I want to be a better person and taking ownership, you know, I'm going to do what it takes. And those things, you know, they're, they're not easy, man. Well, I think what happens is instead of putting it off on others, you don't control others, right, Rob? So you don't like, I don't, I don't control others. So instead what I'm doing is I'm sitting down and I'm trying to build a house and I'm like, well, you know, the brick layer's not here. The concrete guy's not here. Electrical's not here. And I just sit there and nothing gets built. Or I can take ownership and say, it's my house. I'm building it and I can go get the tools and I can start working on it. You know, verbally, that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Instead of putting it off on other people, you know, I see it so much with jobs, man. Ryan, I can't. Ryan, I can't leave this job. Ryan, I can't uh, invest money. Ryan, I can't do this. And excuses. Remember, you take ownership. Do you like your job? Yes or no? No, I hate it. Well, then go get a different one. Well, Ryan, I can't. Okay, then take ownership of what your value is. You get paid for the value you bring to the marketplace. So become more valuable. There's people right now that make, Rob, 400000 a year. You could be one of those. Why? Well, Ryan, I can't. That guy's lucky. No, bring value to the marketplace. As soon as you start bringing value to the marketplace, you can make change. But, you know, like even going back to that part, I think a lot of those people, it's, it's so much about self-limiting beliefs. We limit ourselves so much. And um, a lot of times people, I know, you know, like extreme ownership is like, you know, that part of knowing where you're at you know, where you're at in life and what you believe and how you're doing it. And uh, if you can't sit there and even like you talked about on the chassis, you know, like you think about, hey, man, I think about 30 pounds ago, you know, I had the motor, you know, you said the Lamborghini, but now, you know, like more of the Honda Accord. But yeah, what we think is like we limit ourselves. Like this is all I can ever do. It's all my dad ever did or all my mom or grandpa. You know, I've been told my whole life I'll never succeed. And, you know, you own that place like, yeah, this is a good place, you know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be any different. And, uh, you know, the self-limiting beliefs, that's a whole nother podcast too about that. You know, you blame, you know, like, Hey, you know, this is, I went to this college. That's all I can ever do. And, uh, but 
I just, you know, just changing, man. And I think, you know, you talk about those steel people. Tell me about those steel people because that's kind of funny when we're talking about that. Uh, we joke around all the time and we call them, I tell people to stay away from steel people. Uh, steel people is still broke, still complaining, still hating, and still nowhere. <laughs> that's steel people. You run from those folks. And those people sometimes are enablers to your complaining. Yeah, you know? and, you know, it's like the whole thing we talk about, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's the truth. Get away from them. Yeah, dude, emotional vampires will suck the life out of you. You know, they just complaining, man. Just You'll hear them all the time, man. You know, five years down the road, they're still working in the same position, still complaining about the same things. You know, uh, Jim Rome says this. He says, the winds of life blow on everybody. So the same winds, the same... Com- you know, same issues you have or the same issues I have. You're not special, Rob. Your 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 complaint, your problems with your family, your financial burdens, they, they're the same as mine. There's, we're not special. The winds of life blow on everybody. It's how you adjust your sails to pick up that wind. So, like good example, Jim Rome says during the financial crisis, there's dudes jumping out of the fifth story and landing on the concrete while the guy on the first floor is walking out with money. You're in the same scenario. How? It's because he adjusted his sales. Instead of blaming the market, the market's crashing, the market, the market. He said, what am I going to do to put myself in? So when the market was low, he bought. And then it flipped and he sold. So it's the winds of life blow anybody. Adjust your sales. In the same ocean, there's boats that can spin and stay, and there's other ones that can cruise. And it's you. You want change. It starts with number uno. You, bro. And I, I think a big, I have a, another life story kind of about this uh, main gas and oil, like just kind of in Arkansas, I went downhill and uh, me and Jessica had like 16 employees and had a CrossFit, um, shut down one business, had to sell a CrossFit and uh, devastating. I mean, like male pride, you know, every bit of my pride was gone. I had to actually go back to work for somebody else, which, you know. Yep. Looking for a job. And I remember that summer, man, I was just like trying to make it. Jessica was pregnant and it was just, I mean, was it a low, super low time? Oh yeah. You know, we had to move out of our big house. I mean, all, you know, those little things, you know, and I was like, Hey, I can like get in a hole and sit there and, you know, do those things. I can file for bankruptcy, all those things, but I never filed for bankruptcy. I uh, found a job, ended up moving to Ohio, which I hated with a passion and uh, lived there for almost a year and got transferred back and just worked, man. And I was like, I owned where we was at. You know, we paid our bills. Credit was never bothered, but it was rough sometimes, you know? I mean, it was part of that, you know, owning that and just keep on just kind of, I'm just going to keep kind of pushing along. And, you know, I made a mistake. I got over leveraged and uh, I've learned through now with the business we're in now is like, Hey, make sure that, you know, financially different things that you're solid that that way, you know, have more than one customer, have multiple customers, you know, and I still, you know, try to struggle with that one, trying to do different things because be diverse. That way you don't have just one income, you know. Mm, that's really good advice. Having multiple incomes coming in um, and doing those things because I don't want to be in that place again. And, uh, but at the same time, I had friends that went through that stuff, man, they still haven't recovered. You know, wow. you know, people um, committed suicide, people, different things, you know, different um, people in bankruptcy and all those things, you know, but, and you could, but, I'm not saying I'm special, but I was like, hey, there's a part. Just get out there in action and keep, you know, start doing something. And I think about your story too, man, because when uh, you were in the Marine Corps, you know, your knee. Tell me, tell us a little bit about that because, you know, that was pretty powerful to me because that's not an easy transition. 
Yeah, man, that's a that's a hard one to talk about. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was getting it. Uh, I really enjoyed being a Marine. I was very successful at being a Marine. Um, I was about to pick up staff. I was working at um, what's called TECO Training Company. It's where you um, we train the fleet anti-terrorism security teams, fast teams. And jar, uh, we, we train the people that guard Camp David and then the nukes on the east and west coast, Marines that guard the nukes. And so... Um, yeah, man, I was getting in. We were trying to get this top uh, secret clearance to work there. You have to have this real high clearance. I think it was called a Yankee White or something. And uh, I went out to go do my, I did all my paperwork, and then I had to go get a physical. Well, my knee was popped twice. It, it was popped doing uh, Marine Corps martial arts, and I kind of recovered from that. I was doing a um, tournament, got heel hooked, and kind of popped, and uh, kind of kept it under wrap. You know how it is in the military. you got to be a tough guy. You can't tell anybody, but you can't look weak. And so that's what I did. I looked back, and I was an idiot. Okay, and then um, when I was overseas, I jumped out of a seven-ton which is a big, huge military truck. You know what I'm talking about. And I I felt it rip. And then I just kind of kept it on the wraps. I didn't want my Marines to know. I was, dude, sucking down Motrin from our corpsman. He would pass me Motrin under the table. And um, I didn't want anybody to know. Well, I say that to say this, that I went to this Navy doctor, and he did, I think it's called the Locksman's Test on my knee, and it wobbled. And he, I saw his eyes kind of get big. And he was like, uh, hey, bring in these nurses. And he, they, they looked at it and said, oh, man, this is a significant case where your knee's jacked up. You're not a good surgery candidate because you're young. Uh, we're going to be recommending your discharge. And it broke me. Dude. And so um, within, I think, 60 days, uh, man, I tried to fight it a little bit with my first heart. And we went back and forth. And then I think within like 60 to 90 days, I was sitting in California unemployed. And bro, it it broke me. It's one of the darkest times in my entire life. And uh, I mean, here's what those right there, those decisions, I think, you know, you can blame the world. You can blame. I could have blamed the Marine Corps for sure. I mean, you can blame, you know, everything, getting all those, you can blame yourself. But I, I think, you know, man, this story to me, like, I think about that part of your story, that part of your forge, you know, it's like where you're at now. You wouldn't be here if you would have been a career Marine. Oh, hands you know, down. I mean, I, the life you have now. Yeah. Oh, hands down. I think I'm very thankful for the doctor now, you know, cause I mean, I'm definitely making way more money than I would be if I was in, um, the opportunity God's blessed me with. But dude, let me tell you, when I was sitting on the couch unemployed, I went from being somebody to nobody. And dude, I was very vulnerable, man. And I was just sitting there. I could have went to, instead of the end of a business plan, I could have been at the end of a barrel. A lot of my buddies committed suicide. What did you, I mean, what did you start doing? Cause I mean, I think the part was like, Hey, this is where I'm at. I'm going to look in the mirror. You know, I'm, I'm stepping into a different world. What did you, I mean, that, what was your action? Cause I think this is a huge part of where people don't do this. They don't, they don't understand, but it's like, to me, it's awesome. Um, I sat on the couch and I started to blame people, started blaming my situation if that doctor wouldn't have, if blah, blah, blah. And then I put out and I started putting out resumes and I started blaming everybody who didn't hire me. You know, I put out probably, I don't know, tons. You should ask my wife. It was crazy. I even applied to Wackenhut security and they said, you're overly qualified. What the hell does that mean? You know, and I found out it was during the recession. So the military was downgrading at this time and I just became one of the casualties of the downgrade. That's what happened now that I see it after the fact. And, uh, dude, it, it 
trashed my ego and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just broken down. And then I just realized it's nobody but me. If I don't kill a buffalo, I don't eat. It's me. I have to. Why are they not hiring me? It's because maybe I don't have the value. Maybe I was relying on old practice. Maybe I assumed that everybody knows what I did in the Marine Corps. And I got mentally violent about a goal. I'm mentally violent. I said, I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to go do something above. So instead of just deciding to go for the low-hanging fruit, I'm going to the top of the tree. I'm climbing the top of the ladder. And I'm not going to stop. And once that happened, I made the commitment to take ownership and to not rely on past practice. It's the past, bro. It's the past. Don't sit there and stay in this pool, cesspool of negativity and excuses. Get out and start making progress. Just like a plane flies through the air, Rob, and the clouds don't sit on it, what they do? They hit the plane and brush out. You know, I heard this one analogy. A train that has stopped can't even push through one brick wall. One can't even push through it if it stopped and starts to go, right? So it stopped, starts to pick up speed, it hits the wall, it'll stop, a freight train. But if a freight train's doing 100 miles an hour, right, call momentum, boom, boom, it's cute cruising, it'll break through like rebar, reinforced concrete, it'll blow right through it. And so what I realize is that I've got to get up, start moving, take ownership of my actions. And that's what, you know, that part right there, I think a lot of times... You hear these stories and like Ron said, he started to get out. He's like, hey, he realized and I'm, I'm going to quit driving, looking in my rear view mirror. I'm going to quit sitting oh, there. And dude. that's what it's like. You know, if you guys have ever tried to drive just looking through your rear view mirror, it's, it's not easy. You will crash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You crash. You, you don't have no, you can't go fast. But once you start to look forward, say, hey, I'm going forward. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to put the resumes out. And that's what I mean. I had a I was the same place with, you know, I sold my businesses and all those in, in my pride, you know, the friends and moving out of our, our big house and, you know, all those things. I didn't feel like I was providing because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being what I was supposed to be for my wife. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I was like, I'm not going to let this define me. This is not the end of my story. This is not, this is, this is a chapter. This is what I'm going to learn from. Oh, that's good. And it's it, a chapter, not the whole book. Yeah. That is money right there. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And that's what, you know, I love about your story now, man, because you're still, you know, you're a federal law enforcement instructor. You know, you're sitting there, you're you're helping people every day that fly into Arkansas, which is crazy. I didn't even know about this till I met you. Then also, man, you opened a range um, and have, man, it's completely full. And you're about to add, you know, some new members about, you know, you sit there, you're capped out, you know, members. I'm like, man, God's blessing you in so many ways. But I'm like, hey, this story, you would have never known that when you're sitting in the doctor's office, when you're, Mm. you know, you know, you never know what was, you know, ahead for you. And, uh, you know, those things that you could have went a totally different way. But he's like, I took this really negative, horrible incident and I've made it into something great. Mm. That's good. It's it it boils back to the forge process. You don't want to have to, it's okay to sit in a hot tub. It's comfortable in the hot tub, but the hot tub is negativity. The hot tub is complaining. The hot tub is bad friends that condone negativity. It's almost like when you get together and they all gossip and they talk negative, that's the hot tub. You have to get out of that, get uncomfortable and grow, I think. And, uh, dude, 
hundred percent, man, you have to do that. You have to get front sight focused. And when I said mentally violent, meaning like I was talking to a guy who's dealing with alcoholism and I told him, I said, dude, you need to get mentally violent. He said, Ryan, what does that mean? I said, every time you see that bottle, you should get pissed off, grab the bottle and throw it, watch it break and watch the alcohol pour out in the dirt. You need to get violent, right? So when somebody says, you know, Hey, or, or it could be anything. It could be um, someone saying you can't do this and you mentally say, watch it, watch me do it. You know, you have to get strong, focused and get after it. And that's where, you know, I know some of you guys are thinking you guys are, man, me and Ron, like, you know, I'm talk, a nobody. Bro. You know, we talked about our stories last time we are, man, we're just two guys, you know, man, God's blessed our lives, but I really think a lot of it, hustling, grinding, grit taking ownership you know these things is like i've not taken you know no for an answer because I mean, we've been told no and if you look man where we came from what we should have been and what we could be and where we could still be going you know if we don't keep our stuff straight but i was like the thing is like you know i challenge you um man wherever you're at you know self-evaluate take ownership of your situation and say hey i don't have to be this way anymore you know and figure it out and say hey I'm going to make a strategic plan to change and take action and do it and go out there and do it. I mean, it starts one step at a time. You're You're powerful, man. You're made in God's image. I tell you, all of our listeners, you're made in God's image. It even says that you are blessed and highly favored and um, you are powerful. You will not believe the change and growth you can get if you put your mind to it. The whole cliche is you can accomplish anything you put your mind to. It's true. I didn't believe it. I thought it was some hokey stuff until I started, you know, turned my vehicle into a mobile library and started reading and uh, getting connected with dudes that are trying, you know, just invest in each other. You can do it, man. I got some things, Rob, that I can I, I to throw out. Can I throw out some stuff for the things that I wrote down? Um, here's some things because sometimes blaming goes with complaining. And so here's some things, man. First thing is you need to find out what are you complaining about the most? Is it your wife? Is it your finances? You need to find out what that complaint is, and you need to go ahead and own it, whatever it might be. If you're not making enough money, well, then what are you doing to fix it? Your wife's not loving on you. She's not giving you sex. You guys are always arguing. Well, take ownership and start to figure out how you can fix that. Two, track how often that you're complaining about it. Is it really starting to consume you? You know, I read recently that what you verbalize will compartmentalize, will actually develop, right? So what you verbalize all the time, they were talking about a a woman who always talked about having this disease. Well, guess what? She caught it, right? Always talking about your wife's going to leave you. Well, she left him. And so watch what you say, right? So how much are you complaining? Then separate yourself from the chronic complainers, the steel people, because they're enabling you and they're bringing you down. And then turn your complaints or blames into solutions, right? Start to look and say, how can I fix it? And then lastly, I use this. Instead of saying compared to what, sometimes it's, it's called the but positive technique. Man, traffic sucks. But I'm driving a car. I'm going to a job, right? Man, my wife is bothering me. But I love my wife and I have two beautiful kids. So that little, the BT I mean, BP is such a great technique. Every time you hear a complaint come out of your mouth, you flip it to a positive. And I do that with my business too. 
Somebody says, hey, man, you don't have gutters. And I say, well, you're right. We don't have gutters on one of our buildings, but we have a beautiful range. You know, so I always turn a, po- a negative into a positive, and you're going to see that that's going to start helping you. So that's just a couple things that I wrote down, Rob, that I think are beneficial to me and might be beneficial to our listeners. I mean, I think those are all huge, you know, complaining. I mean, taking ownership, I just want to go back, you know, take ownership of where you're at, you know, quit blaming people, put yourself around better people, find a, a good, firm. Yeah, get, find a, a band of brothers, you know, and here's, here's my challenge for you and uh, see if you can go a day without complaining. Mm, that's the challenge right there. Yeah. I mean, then add another day after that, you know, and, I, and this is a hard one for me. I mean, I definitely, you know, that entitlement comes out. I think, you know, that I complain, you know, that this is not good enough or this is, you know, you know, the D word. Yep. I deserve this. And, uh, but those things, man, but man, it's going to say to, uh, it's kind of, you know, we're just wrapping up here, but you know, just a quick check in, you know, the challenge, you know, for this is going to be go without complaining. One full day. Yeah, one full day. It's not hard. I think it'll change. Let me, let me tell you, this one, Rob, this podcast right here, you want to make significant impact to your life. This podcast, you listen to it, you apply it. This is going to have the most impact on your life, hands down. Changed my life, this one right here. Yeah, mine too. And I told you, know, I told you guys a really, really serious you know, thing about it really changed my life, start taking ownership and quit blaming other people take ownership but man thank you guys so much we get a chance to get out and rate the podcast uh whether it be on itunes podbean um spotify um also it's on a uh, stitcher but get a chance to rate that but also send us some feedback we love hearing yes good bad you know we're still, we're still new at this we have a lot to learn yep. and also subjects um you might want to hear about and we got some we got some guests coming up and get some little bit more technology a little bit better technology so we can have some guests coming up to add I'm some so excited about the dude we got some people that are lined up that talked about i mean talk about walking through the fire and coming out and just they're instrument they're instrumental people in my life they're people that are just public leaders or people that you know what's cool they're going to be leaders that people don't know yet oh yeah and that's what you know one of them i spent a day with last week adam settle i'm excited he's got some i don't want to man his story you know how you get to really know somebody their story like the backstory yep you're like i love this person now Dude, because i you know you know more about them but you know that's we're, it. we're i'm excited for the things going up and also man uh we're doing a go ruck challenge that is coming up. so hey do something physical too get out there and challenge yourself physically do a race do a do a 5K, half marathon, go do Murph, whatever. If you don't got money, just go run. Yeah, just go. <laughs> you know, burpees. Yeah, burpees. Hey, knock out uh, 100 burpees. That will challenge you. And you'll hate both of us after you do that, for sure. You're welcome. Welcome to the dojo. Well, take us out today, buddy. All right, Forged by Fire, 18-007, out. Out.